Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Dr. Lydia Gonzalez de Ross, who is the founder and CEO of U.S. Women Christian Chamber of Commerce, Chief Latin Advisor Ambassador for I Change Nations, and serves in many other national and international leadership positions. Dr. Lydia, thank you so much for being in the program tonight and to share all that God is doing in your life and in the lives of the many people you are influencing through your leadership positions. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Marina. It's, it's, I think we've been trying for some time and, and, and it, we made it through today. <laughs> yes. Well, God always has this perfect timing. Yes, he does. Dr. Lydia, when did God call you into the political world, and was it challenging to obey his calling? Wow. I actually, I had no idea anything about political world until about 2003. Um, I was working for the state of California as an international social service uh, foreign delegate, social worker, where I was a mediator between the consulate offices in other countries and the state of welfare for children. And this gal came in and we always asked where people come from, you know, just in case we decide to leave, we can go where they were before. And <laughs> so I asked her, hey, I'm just curious, you know, what's your background in social work? And she says, I, I really don't have anything other than working with people. And I said, well, that's interesting. So she, uh, she told me, well, I work for a, a senator in California. And, and that just kind of just put a light in my head. I go, senator's office. Why would the State Department hire someone from a political office? You know, and I was just curious. I just had some lunch with her, became friends with her. Goes, well, you know, they have an open position if you're interested. And I'm like, well, what is what does you do? Because well, you kind of represent the senator. You know, uh, you go to events for him, and and you talk to people on the phone about things that you know that we care about. And, it went on and on. I said, wow, that's that's interesting. I never knew that they hired social workers in the political office. And so I said, well, yeah, let me just give it a shot. You know, it's just just curiosity. And it was just about the time when, when, the, when the enemy was attacking me at the state office. And I said, Lord, is this, is this my door to close or, or do I need to fight this? And it seemed like the Lord was setting me up. And so I went for the interview and I told him, I said, you know what, I'm not even a voter because the Hispanic community, at least in my upbringing, nobody voted in the family because nobody told us that we needed a vote. So I don't know anything about voting. I don't know anything about parties. I don't know anything about the Constitution. I don't know anything about that. And they said to me, you know what, you're just perfect for the job. <laughs> 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 and he said, the reason why we want you for the job is because you don't know anything and we can train you and we can mold you. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I started in the political world and I became fascinated. And it was, at first it was challenging because you, you couldn't write like a social worker. You had to write like a politician. So I had to learn about legislative bills. I had to learn how to write, uh, respond to constituents. And then I was handling crisis situations for you know, casework, like they call it casework, but it's really just being a triage to other or, you know, departments. And, and since it was a district senate, you know, we, we had the whole, 
you know, many counties to cover. So he would, uh, the senator would send me to uh, events to represent him, uh, pick him up at the airport. We would chat on the way back and talk about things that's happening in the Capitol. And so at that time, we were working uh, under the administration of uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was the governor at the time. And so it was very interesting, you know, how the budget bill was uh, being done and how we didn't get paid over the summer until the budget was <laughs> passed. So, uh, we, you know, we've learned and, and, it's, and it was very interesting. And, you know, that's when I began to realize uh, the warfare and it wasn't really sharpened until very later on. But I, at least I was in that atmosphere of understanding of that. But, and then I uh, resigned shortly after that. I came back to uh, Arizona because of my son uh, graduating from high school and all that. So uh, he was getting ready to go to college and he wanted to graduate with his friends in Arizona. I said, okay, but, you know, we only have one. So, you know, you're going to do everything you want with, the, with that one. <laughs> so I came back from Arizona and came here and I, I went back into the field of, of the state and federal and tribal, became chair of the tribal community and learned more about politics than that. And and, uh, and I just continued in that path. And then I got a prophetic word from Dr. Cindy Jacobs that I was called to be a voice to the Latino community. And I was called to be, I have a seat in public office. So I just started to learn more and more and more and got more involved in parties. And, and I became a Republican when I was working for the senator in California, um, you know, because no one really taught me about Democrats. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the family were Democrats, and they didn't even know why they were Democrats. <laughs> so when I started working the field and I started talking to my family about issues, it started to make sense to them. And when uh, Trump's uh, election came, they all changed parties from Democrats to Republicans. So God has this purpose <laughs> in, in situations. And it's really not about the party. It's about the agenda of the land. It's always about God's purposes, God's you know vision, because there are some good conservative Democrats. They just, for some reason, choose to stay locked in their party for some reason or another. But, um, but yeah, that's how I started. And when the Lord said to, to run for office, I tested the field. And uh, that same summer when the word was released, not, nobody in my district was stepping down or, or anything. So I said, Lord, I'll leave this up to you, what you want to do with it, if it's now or it's for the future. And sometimes when you receive a prophetic word, the, the, the most important thing is you have to act on it, even if you don't know what you're doing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I agree. Just yeah. do it, right? <laughs> Telling the Lord, yes, I'm, I want to do this, Lord. Yes. And so after I committed to do that, a week later, we got a, a, a notification that one of the senators uh, resigned. And I said, okay, well, that's interesting, Lord, that he resigned at way before election time, about a year before his seat was up. And, and it was during the holidays over Thanksgiving and so forth. And so I looked up his zip code and, and to see if he was in my district, and he wasn't. He was a hairline, not from my district, actually one block. And I was like, well, Lord, I guess this is not the one. I'll, I'll just keep pressing in and pressing in. Then two weeks later, the governor decides to redistrict the maps. And guess what? I fell in that district area. So the Lord has a way of setting you up. And I said, Lord, I don't know anything about campaigning other than what I've learned from, you know, where I worked before. But it's very little, Lord. And I, and I said, you know, teach me what I'm supposed to be doing. So when I learned I was the first Latina to run for office in that state, I was like really so just 
at all with God because the way he set it up. And I was this, there were seven of us because it was special elections. There were seven of us and there were six women and one man. And out of the seven, I, out of all candidates, I came in third. It was a special election, one day voting. And on the day of Valentine's Day, uh, I came in third among all, second among women. And that's when the doors started opening. Because I, I said to the Lord, it's not a matter of winning or losing. It's about just obeying and doing what you ask us to do. And when I made that agreement, I had the majority of my sponsors, the majority of the people that's, that endorsed me were Democrats. And I was ashamed of the Republican Party. And I started looking at their hearts. So, Lord, show me the Republican Party hearts in this state. Mm, that's good. And when he started to do that, I started being more voiceful and I started yes. on them. So I attended every meeting that could be possibly imagined the Republican Party, ended up in the executive committee, elected a state committee woman, precinct chair, you know, the whole works. And, you know, at times I was the only Latina showing up. I said, Lord, this has got to be reversed. This this can't happen. They need to embrace diversity more. That's that's part of the problem. They're not embracing diversity. So when I began to pray about that, the Lord started showing me. And when I started um, speaking about that, the Lord, when we were at one of the meetings, when I was running for one of the seats, and I spoke and I was, there, you know how you have people behind you saying, yes, I endorse this person. I speak on this behalf. I had nobody. I had nobody behind me. But and, God. Yeah, but God. <laughs> I said to them. <laughs> I, said to, I gave my speech and I said, you know what? Maybe, maybe you don't know me long enough or maybe you, you don't agree of a Latino being in one of these positions. But I tell you one, one, you're disappointing God. Because he loves all races. Amen. And, and then I started kind of preaching to them. <laughs> and his wife was there. She was listening. She came up to me afterwards and she said, Lydia, I was crying when you were talking because I felt such a heavy conviction. And that's what it was. Oh, was wow. Just convicting them. And I said, you know what? I just want to represent to you the angels that are behind me. There are thousands and thousands of them. And they're here in this room. And they're ready for you to just say, yes, Lord, whatever you say, let's move this party forward and not be so caught up that this is the way the language needs to be, or this is the way we need to feel and we need to prove, we need to agree. No, you need to have the heart of God to move the people. If you don't have the heart of God, you're not going to touch them. You're not going to convince them. You're not going to convict them. The only way to do that is to be an example. Be go out there. You know, if they say, let's have a neighborhood, you know, party, block party, then just say the Republican Party is having a neighborhood party. It's nothing about voting. It's nothing about this. It's just reaching out to the community and let them know that you care. And that's, all, that's what it's all about. So that's how I ended up. Amen. <laughs> it sounds like you discovered your calling. Yes. Yes. Just just discover, you, you just discovered it. And um, I like how you said it's not about winning or losing, but it's just about obeying God. That's right. That's, that's right. That is so true. And um, did you ever feel alone as a Latina leader oh there? Yes, what, did, yes. what did you do in those times where you just felt alone? Many times I felt alone. And, you know, the, the two callings that the Lord has given me in a government ministry, as well as, as a minister, you know, 
I go to these churches and I don't tell them you need to be a voter, you need to have voter registration. You need. I pretty much just throw the scriptures at them. I said, you know, the Lord commands us to pray for those in position of authority. We may not like the person that's in position of authority, but he's telling us to pray for them so that they can have wisdom and spiritual insight into all things so they may know how to lead this land. If we don't pray for them, then we're not doing what God is telling us to do. And then I tell them, and if you don't vote, God's going to hold you accountable. And if you do vote, you make sure that God is telling you who you vote and you need to do your homework. I cannot tell you how many times in elections times, every time it's time to vote for somebody, I get so many calls. Who should I vote for? And then I crack the whip and I forget them. So it's your job to know who is on the ballot. <laughs> You know, we give you the information. It's online. Just because I tell you this is a good person doesn't mean that's that person you need to vote for. You right. need to God who you want. On the- yeah, so- I think we get passive with that, don't we? Like, just we just kind of procrastinate researching yes. information. We, we, we just- that's why I'm so thankful for parties because the parties really tell you everything about everyone who's running. And when you go to these town hall meetings and you say, you know, I want to hear from his mouth what he has to say. You know, people get so fearful. They don't, they don't ask questions and they need to ask questions. That's why they have these outdoor events. That's why they tell you, you know, Senator so-and-so is going to this event. He's welcoming the constituents of his area. You need to go to those meetings and show your support and, and ask questions. Sometimes I don't agree with some of the conservative values, but I ask questions and I ask them, why do you think that way? And then they show me the law and then they show me this is the reason and why this bill has some flaws. And that's like, okay, well, that makes sense. Then I take that information and I give it out to disseminate to the community because a lot of them don't do that. They don't, you know, every constituent has a right to have a face-to-face meeting with every elected official, whether it's their party or not. It is their constitutional right. And and they don't know that they have fear. So what I do is I just open it to the pastors. I said, you know, let's have a meeting with all the pastors and I'm going to invite Senator so-and-so. And I'm telling you, they will come. You know, they're eager to tell about what's going on in Congress. They're eager to tell what's happening in our state. But sometimes we forget as Christians that your church is, is also a community place. You can invite them there, you know, so... That's great. What does your husband and your family think about your leadership positions? Oh, they think I'm nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what did they say to you? Well, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, it's just, honey, it seems like you're the one that's anointed for this. We're behind you 100%, whatever you decide to do. And when I was running for a house uh, rep seat, my husband went with me door to door and go to and I said to him, you know, honey, don't think about it as a party thing or because you're doing this for me. Think about it as an evangelism tool. Think about you're knocking door to door and you're ministering the gospel to them and you're talking about issues that God cares about. Think Amen. About- and you know, when we did that, we end up praying for more people than actually. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and they remember you at the ballot. They remember Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, what are your biggest challenges that you face in your leadership positions? And how do you confront them and resolve them? I think the biggest challenges that we're having right now is the Hispanic pastors community not doing enough, not and you know speaking more on the pulpit about their legal right to vote their you know and the thing about it is so sad is that 
a lot of them have been taught from the old doctrine that we don't get involved in government or political. Exactly. Exactly. I hear that a lot. Lie from the pit of hell, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I'm telling you, it's such that deception spirit is deceiving and mocking. I say, oh, they never do anything for you anyway. And you know what's really sad is that a lot of them voted for uh, Hillary, uh, which they, they know that she would have taken that Bible and done everything she could mm-hmm. to revise it. Mm-hmm. That alone should have said no to every pastor, every mm-hmm. member. I agree. And uh, so that's one of the reasons why I started the United States Women Christian Chamber of Commerce is because the U.S. Women Chamber of Commerce really was supposed to be a bipartisan approach, like most chambers are, but this one didn't. This one went full force and endorsed Hillary Clinton. And I said, wow, now the conservative Christian women businesses don't have a place. They don't have a voice. And that's when the Lord said, start it. Let's, let's pioneer it. Let's do it. And I said, okay, God. And within three months, I had 4,000. Within six months, I had 6,000. Within a year, I had over 8,000. Just interested people. Wow. And, and I was like, Lord Jesus. And then it turned global. That's when the global position started coming in. And then I received the prophetic word. Yes, you're going to receive 10 nations that want to change their economic. We want to eliminate poverty in the most corrupt political nations in the world. And I said, okay, God, let's do it. But you know, I can't do it without a position. And lo and behold, a UN ambassador a representative, Dr. Clive Rivers, approached me and said, the Lord told me that I need to give you a doctorate degree. And he had no idea the struggle I was having getting a doctorate degree. I had I had received a full scholarship at Regent University to obtain an organizational leadership program. And with the first year, I had to give up my scholarship because my sister was on her fifth year of cancer and she was not doing very well. And then a month later, we found out oh, that it's no. sudden brain cancer. There was no cure for stage. And so those two and plus they had little children and they had a church. So the whole family. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, we all, you know, were struggling with that. And I, I couldn't go back, of course, because I didn't have the scholarship. And then two years later, this man, out of nowhere, somebody told me, come to this meeting. You have to come to this meeting. And I'm like, another meeting. I don't want to go to another meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired. And, I, and you know what? I did it on purpose. I came at noon. I didn't bother to go to the morning session. I came just before noon break so that when they break, I can kind of sneak out and go out again, you know? Because those kind of things. <laughs> and I walked in and sat back, not even five minutes sitting down. The man said, The Lord said, You still have a seat in Congress. You're still in the political realm. And whatever it is that you're doing, God said to talk to you later. So I'm going to talk to you later after lunch. Wow. So I didn't know. He was uh, the ambassador of Burundi of Africa, and he's a representative of the UN, of the oh. Peace Building Initiatives. And that was a prophetic word that uh, Dr. Miles Monroe gave me that I would be part of the UN somehow. And <laughs> that word came to pass. And uh, so I've been working with him now three years as his chief Latin advisor for the American, Latin American nations. And I stepped it up a notch. And what I'm doing is calling the Sephardic nations and the tribal indigenous tribes together. You know, we are. Amen. Yes, ma'am. We are part Jewish. We are tribal Indians for the most part. Yes. 
two blood covenant. Now we have the three strand accord if we know Joshua. So we are more powerful than people think. That's why there's such attack on us right now because Satan is after our blood covenant, our kingdom, and he's not going to have it. And so we're telling these people, get it together. And did you know after the president moved the embassy to the U.S., uh, uh, to Jerusalem, uh, the only nations that followed were the Latin American nations. They were the only ones? They were the only ones till today. Wow. You know, not many people know that. No. And it's a covenant blood. They, the Latino people from 22 nations, different dialects, even mixed Portuguese and mixed French, because my husband's French and he's Puerto Rican. So they, there's a mix. And with that mix because of the diaspora, you know, uh, they scattered everywhere. And Gonzalez really is not a Hispanic name. It's a German name. And so the Germans came uh, when they had to be dispersed of the Jews. They came to Puerto Rico. And that's how Puerto Rico ended up being mingled in the Jewish blood. So my little town where my father grew up, where all my family still is, 90%, fifth generation now, Yaco, the town of Yaco means Jewish community slope. So I'm the fifth generation of the Jewish community. So it's uh, interesting how uh, the Lord just put the Zion in me. And then, you know, when I came here, I said, Lord, are you sure about this? Because it, it, a lot, it seems to be a lot of um, just barriers here in Arizona, and I don't know why that is. Yeah, and you came from Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Just a few months ago, you moved from there, and you're now here in Phoenix. Yeah. Right, and I moved back to Arizona because we lived here about 10 years before I leaving. Oh, okay. That's another miracle story. But anyway, um, when I came back, I said, Lord, I, I see Arizona in a different light. It's success because your eyes have changed. Now you're a seer. Now you're going to be seeing things and you're going to be hearing things. And sure enough, my senses were activated. And I'm telling you, the warfare is big in Arizona because of the desert, for what Arizona stands for. Mm -hmm. And is really a, um, uh, a god uh, and uh, so there's, that's why we have the new age and we have all that stuff here in Arizona. But God is about to do something miraculous in Arizona. And yeah, what do you see for the Latino community oh my happening? Goodness. Oh, my goodness. When, when Cindy prophesied over me uh, and made it public, the next thing she said, you know, what's going to happen among the Latino people is that the first supernatural wave of my supernatural power is going to be first among the Latino community. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Wow. There's supernatural wave among the Latino. They're waking up. They're not doing, or they're not going back to the old traditions. God is not letting them do that. He's taking them further out and he's telling them it's time to evangelize, but don't preach brimstone. <laughs> preach love, 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 because love conquers all things. And then the waves are coming. People are coming out of wheelchairs. I mean, you hear about Cash Luna, you hear about Claudio Fredericio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You hear about Maldonado, you know, Guillermo Maldonado. You hear about a lot of these men, great women of God moving in the spirit. But what you don't hear is the valley preachers, the fivefold ministries, the valley ones, the urban, the ones that have been raised in the poverty stricken area like Guatemala. There's this little lady. Exactly. That 
I tag along with, she prays in the caves day and night, and she was called since the age of nine, and she's been ministering to more than 160 nations, we've established more than 30 churches worldwide, even in the U.S., and she's got a little nursing home in Guatemala, and now she's building up a youth orphan place. I mean, this little woman is far one, 125 pounds, and God is moving her supernaturally, oil secretes from her hand, wonders happen. I mean, and when she invites me to come uh, to her, I said, yes, man, I'm dropping everything coming to you because there's an impartation that takes place. And when that impartation happens, that means now it's your job to take it to your generation and so forth and so forth. So that's what we do. We activate and we say, if you're called to the government ministry, if you're called into government leadership, let me know so that we can activate you because we want you to plug into the right people to get the right training, to get the right information. Not because somebody said this or because, you know, people are saying that it's the best way to learn is to learn the constitution, learn your amendments, know your rights as a citizen first. So that when you speak and you have that freedom of speech and you have that right, nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop. And we need to tell the devil, you are crossing the bloodline. You're crossing territory to where you do not belong. And we need to decree and we need to be seers and we need to be prophets and apostles. And we just need to just go in the marketplace and just pray for people that are sick or pray for people that we, we see and we discern that, you know, this one looks like she's struggling emotionally, you know. Be bold, be courageous. The one that's doing the work is Jesus, and he lives inside of you. Right, not us. All the tools that you need, all of it's there. So all you've got to do is just do it. Just go and do it, because he'll back you up. And you start to grow, and you start to grow in that. You can become stronger. Then you start hearing testimonies after testimony. And I, and God equips you more because you're faithful, and he gives you more. And he gives you, and All of a sudden, you got this backbone of steel inside of you, like... And you got this shield of faith on you, and you wear Amen. that, and you take that sword, not this territory, not this land. And you know, it's so interesting. God is so amazing. God puts in a district where, it's, where my congressman is a Democrat. Wow. Okay? I've always lived in a Republican district. <laughs> and it's just like God <laughs> put me to work, right? He brought you here for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) For a purpose. He puts me in an urban area where the number one crime statistics, I reside in that district too. So he's got me. (laughs) 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 So he's got me working. But amen, because you're going to be the light in that darkness. That dark area. You should all be that light, carrying that light, and just do it. Just do it. Don't worry. I mean, can't say can't do nothing to you. Nothing. There's Amen. nothing you can do or say. We need to just tell them to shut up and go somewhere else. Go to the dry places and never return. Don't send them back to hell. Send them to dry places. Dry places he can never return. If you send them to hell, he's just going to go somewhere else. Yes, and God has given us the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing can harm us. Now, what about the Native American community, Dr. Lydia? Wow. We don't hear about the Native American community at all. No, no. And, you know, it's interesting because they have yet to embrace the the Latin indigenous tribes yet. And I, I talked to Chief Bitcoin, uh, who is really head of the tribal nations in, in the Christian world. And 
you know, he agrees that we need to embrace the Latinos. So we're hoping that this fall, when we go to Washington to celebrate the tribal nations, that we, we have a ceremony with the Latinos, uh, tribal nations, a representative from each uh, nation, you know, Colombia, Peru, Venezuela, all of them. We've been praying for that because we need that breakthrough. And you know what's also happening is that the Latinos are moving into other countries. A lot of people think that they're coming here. And they really, a small percentage, it's majority of them are fleeing to other nations, especially Africa, because Africa is very big. And they're taking their businesses and their families to Africa. And when that's happening, that's because there's there's a religion that's after them, which is the Muslim community. They're after them. They want to recruit them, not for to do radical stuff, but mostly it's, it's because they know that the, the Latino families, their number one um but you said the number one thing that they honor is family. Yes. Anything for their family. They don't wow. this. That's why we have a low percentage of Latinos graduating from college or from or from uh, high school. A lot of them drop out by the time they are able to work because they need to support their families. And this is where it's so important about education. You know, we're so concerned about all these issues that, that are shining light right now. Uh, and, the thing about it is, is that we need to go after our high school Latinos and we need to tell them that you can do both. If you need to go to work, you can get credit for going to work and you can get credit for going to school at the same time. There are vocational programs out there that are offered before they turn 18. They can start start college, you know, before their senior year. And we need to encourage them because we have a lot of brilliant brilliant Latino students and it's such a shame that, you know, because of the curse of the generational poverty, you know, that they, they get stuck and they feel, no, I need to support my family. I need to, and I said, no. And we talked to the families as, you know, if you want to break this poverty cycle in your family, you need to start with your children. You need to start teaching them to empower, you know, be better for themselves, empower them, encourage them. It may take a little sacrifice, but you know what, at the end, it'll be all worth it, all worth it. Amen. Now, I know you are the International Ambassador for Women Affairs, which helps promote social, political, and economic participation. And this includes Asia, Africa, Caribbean, Europe, Middle East, Oceania. And how do you promote women's social and political participation? How How do you do this? How do you go about doing this? Well, you know, the biggest thing about that is uh, I was, was telling someone yesterday that I had no intention of being involved in women leadership or women ministry or anything to do with women because, you know, when I was growing up, all I had was just bad experience with them. They weren't your friend. They weren't, um, you know, your compadre. <laughs> they weren't, um, they were more critical. They were more jealous. They were had covenant over you, you know, uh, and they don't, uh, they didn't, uh, I didn't have any appreciation for them, especially the ones that love to criticize, which is a wagging tongue of the enemy. And <laughs> so I, I had nothing to do with them. And then when the Lord started um, just working with me on that and and I started looking at my own personal life, the things that I've gone through personally as a, as a woman, as a female, as a child. You know, I said, Lord, you know, there needs to be some liberty. They, and, and what I don't see is, is business women having the same equality, you know, having that voice in the platform. We hear a lot about women talk about domestic violence and we hear a lot about 
talking about abortion, but we never see the men stepping up to the plate about that. And that's that's the difference of, of what I do is I encourage men, you need to step up, up to the plate and be men, mm-hmm. be, be fathers, because your little daughter could be the next victim. And if you tell her how exactly you loved that you appreciate mm-hmm. and that you always have family, no matter what the situation is, then, you know, God will be with you. And it's so interesting because, you know, um, I've been through so much and I survived so many death threats and death <laughs> situations that oh, no. I said, God, you know, what is this all about? What's happening? And when I was approached by Canada to represent them as their international of women affairs, I said, Lord, where are you taking this? Where, where do you want to go with this? And then all of a sudden these other nations, you know, Ethiopia and Kenya, um, I was invited to, uh, to speak in Colombia at the women's economic forum. Global uh, forum, and I said, Lord, you know, what is it? What's the message you want to convey to these women? One of the things the Lord wants to tell them that He loves them dearly, and that He's not forgotten them, that He loves them, cares about everything they think about, that they can too have a ministry, no matter what it is, marketplace, media, it doesn't matter. God still loves them and wants to use them. And you know, a lot of these men, especially the Hispanic men in the the evangelical world, have stifled women, have made them feel like they were second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. Most of the Muslim community kind of are like the evangelicals. They they treat their women not more like a second class, but third class and sometimes fourth class, even like dogs. So we need to do something. We need to tell the Muslim women that they are loved, that they are honored, they are treasured, God cares about them, and that he wants their lives changed, you know, and we need to come to them with that approach. And so it's not just about the Judeo-Christian women, but it's about all <coughs> all faiths. And I was approached by a Hindu lady uh, a couple of months ago, and she saw my website at the United States Women Christian Chamber. She saw the website, and she said, I want to be part of that. So I sort of, you know, talked, well, okay, where did you get saved? You know, thinking, I'm not thinking out of the box or anything, just asking questions. And, and she said, well, uh, I'm Hindu. I said, oh, you are? I said, did you read my website thoroughly? <laughs> We are Judeo-Christian, right? You know, but it seems like you're reading my heart. It's like you're you're seeing what we need. And I said, well, honey, if you're interested, come on board. We'll work work it out. We'll work it together. And then the Lord started ministering, reminding me of what, you know, what that um, vision that Paul had. When Paul said to him, oh, I can't eat of that, that, that. Bird or this is or it's all defiled, God. I can't do that. And that's when God reminded me. He said, "We're going to be encountering and sitting at the table of leaders around the world, kings and priests, and queens and princesses, and ambassadors. And we need to be able to communicate that love, that world civility mantle. We need to just like Jesus did when He sat with all these unbelievers and sinners. He ministered to them." He ministered in parables, but you know what? They understood his parable. 
You know, so we need to be that. We need to be that light in that table because that's where many will come to the feet of Jesus because of that love that we bring to them. And I was so ecstatic when Canada, Canada is a company or an organization that's a circular. And when they told me to represent the Christian quality, I was like really so thankful to the Lord for that opportunity because now the doors can be wide and open. So this is our agenda for the fall. For those that, that become members, this is our agenda. We represent you everywhere we go as Christian women. And in that, in the fall, we're going to have the first National Day of Prayer in Africa with the first lady elected parliaments. And that's the first in history that any Latina. Wow. Then that's God. That's God. And then Amen. I said, Amen. Exactly. You know, you ask the Lord, okay, how are we going to do this? Yes. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he starts bringing you the connections. The connections Those kingdom right. connections. That's right. That's right. Kingdom connections. Amen. And that's, and that's what he wants. He wants kingdom here on earth. And then uh, two days ago, last weekend, I said, Lord, I need this sealed because I, I just sense, I don't want to, you know, sometimes, you know, he gives me the, my, my brain, the way it works is I'm talking to people and all of a sudden my brain starts generating ideas. It starts thinking, okay, it starts doing like a, like an engineer map. It starts, <laughs> it's, it just goes a million places and then you names stop popping up into your head. Okay, this person needs to be connected with this person and that person and this person. And then I received the prophetic word, yep, you're my Holy Ghost switchboard operator. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's just the Holy, that's the Holy Spirit working in yeah. you in that way. Yes. That so, manner. Well, I get so excited when I hear people's prophecies and I'm right there next to them. And, uh, you know, I, I just said, Lord, what do you want me to do anything here? Or because I get so excited, you know, and I, yeah. I just, because I know what God is going to do in their lives. And, and I just want to be blessed by that, by helping them. You know, what people don't understand. I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody needs to hear this. When you volunteer at a church, it's not you're just giving up your time or because you want to give something back to the church. Every time you volunteer, you are planting a seed in that church into someone else's life. And when that exactly harvest, you reap the harvest. Exactly. That message needs to be said many, many, many times in all the churches. <laughs> it's so true. Do you think God is rising more and more women to, um, to influential uh, leadership positions today more than ever, Dr. Lydia? Yes, I agree. Why do you think so? Yeah, there, there was a prophetic word given by uh, Prophets Hank and, and Brenda Kuhneman uh, maybe a couple months ago that this is the year for women in leadership. And, but, you know, again, we go back to, okay, how do we train these women? How do we get them to be statesmen? How do we get them yes. to be diplomats, ambassadors? And I was, as I was developing the leadership team, um, I came across uh, a global ambassador named by Dr. Uh, Bayer, and she is my global educator. And what we're doing with that is that anyone that becomes a member of the USWCC, 50% of the tuition is taken off immediately, and they can become trained world civility leaders and represent the organization in whatever state or whatever nations they are at. And it's all about being a leader in your community, that the, um, it talks about uh, not just your position, your poise, or how to speak to media or things like that. It's more of the way God sees you as a leader, to be his ambassador, 
wherever you go because you're wearing two hats. You're wearing your kingdom hat and you're wearing your anointed gift that he has given you. <laughs> and you need to learn how to use them both and when to use them both. And most of the time, I use them both. <laughs> right, most of the time using them both simultaneously. Yes, simultaneously. Even when I'm, you know, uh, whether I'm in a seminar, conference, or speaking at university, I'm always listening inside to the Holy Spirit. Okay, God, who in here do you want me to touch? Who in here do you want me to speak words of encouragement to or wisdom? Or maybe even, you know, sometimes I get calls and say, can you help me start a nonprofit organization? And then we talk about the business plan. We talk about the vision. We talk about where do you see yourself in five years? So where do you see yourself next year? You know, starting up an organization is easier. It doesn't take more than an hour to do it, honestly. It doesn't. But what happens is, is a lot of people get stuck is, okay, how do I obtain, you know, my bylaws? How do I obtain my 501c? How do I obtain this and how I obtain that? Well, those are tools that already we, you know, I had to learn all that by myself. I didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't have someone to train me until I started going further deeper into the organization where I needed to go get help. It's like, my organization's growing big. Where do I go with this? And that's when you start seeking help and he starts to send you to trainings and to seminars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, these seminars that we do all around the world, uh, which is uh, led by Dr. Bayer, she's so phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it's, she's worldly recognized. And uh, so she does that for us as part of the educational sphere so that we can train up women in leadership and those that want to be political office. This is an excellent, excellent way to start and kick off. And then we plug you in with people that are already influenced in that area. And the same thing with the youth ambassadors that we have. We have the National Youth Ambassador Program led by Lillian Wade, a young rising star, probably 20, 21 years old. And she is so phenomenal. She's got the gift of a prophet inside of her so she can discern very easily, you know, and she speaks on behalf of issues that affect the youth, you know, and that's what we need is more youth leaders, more uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, God is raising young men and women under the yes. age of 30 and really engulfing them like uh, in, in ministries that would take 50 years to develop. And they're doing it within less than five years or less than two years. That's because the grace of God on the earth is increasing so much so and the revelation is coming so much quicker that we're mm-hmm. able to much faster. And that's mm-hmm. why this supernatural wave that's coming and hitting the U.S. like never before is going to be great. Greater than Catherine Crewman's, it's going to be greater than Benny Hinn's and all these other uh, ancient leaders that left their anointing behind here. Those mantles are going to be picked up once again, and we're going to see the former and the latter come together like we've never seen before. And you know what? The people that God's going to use is not those generals that are in the front line. He's going to use you and me that go day to day to the stores here and there, and God's going to say, go touch that person. Don't say nothing. Just touch their shoulder. And immediately they will sense the presence of God. Immediately. Wow. So is that what you're meaning that uh, 2020 is going to be a great year? Oh, yes. And it's going to start off, you know, today we were so, um, the thing about Alabama and, you know, everybody's just attacking that like crazy, uh, the abortion, this and that. And all of a sudden I, I, I read this news clip, Roe versus Wade is going to hit the Supreme Court justice. It's, it's telling you that's a prophetic word that Kim Clement said before he passed on that Roe versus Wade will be reversed. And we're going to see it. We're wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, what do you see for the churches in 2020? What is going to be happening in the churches? 
You know, the church um, has been struggling right now. Um, they've been through a lot. Yes, it's been in a huge crisis. Like this whole year, and even last year began, last year as well, you know, uh, the church has gone through such heaviness and such weariness. And I think it's because what's happening is that the tools that the Lord has given them, it seems like they've been worn down because of their own battles. You know, it's like Nehemiah. He was building the wall and mm-hmm. at the time he had his armor on. Mm-hmm. He was ready to attack at any moment. And that's what the body of Christ is right now. They're building up the wall to protect the bride. And at the same time, they're going to war for the bride. Mm-hmm. So it's that constant war. And But as a body, we need to come more closer together. Like And Nehemiah. how do we do that, Dr. Lydia? Well, you know, every time we have these global conferences where they invite three or four generals, I wish they invite more than that. I wish they invite 10 generals. Because let me tell you about the glory cloud. The glory cloud is on every one of us. But when the glory cloud, like the clouds in in the sky, when they come together, they build a huge storm. And that storm takes out anything that's in its way. And it, it just takes out, it cleanses you. It, it, it brings you closer to God. You, you want to know him more. Your spirit yearns for more. And you don't, you're no longer dehydrated. You're drinking from heaven. You're drinking the water that God has for you. And that's what's going to going to take. We're going to have to start ministering to people, going out there with none of these four walls. The four walls were never meant for the church, mm-hmm. <laughs> meant for a gathering, for the people. So Exactly. But they don't, you know, lose their doctrine. So they they stand they stand connected because God commanded us to gather together. But He also commanded us as a body to go out there and, you know, do like they did in the old days: start tents revivals. You know, yes, have those tents revivals, and whoever hears, the, you know, they don't have to be present, but they hear. They hear the word, and that's when they're going to be accountable for what they heard. But I think a lot of it too is that a lot of people's heart has become so stony. Mm-hmm. We have to break that hollow ground a lot with the watering of the word by just speaking love to them, speaking love to them. You know, you ever notice that the feminist group, you know, they don't care anymore. They don't care what comes out of their mouth. They don't care how they walk in the street. Mm-hmm. They don't care if they walk a pride parade. They don't, they, they have no conviction whatsoever. That's Their hearts have changed. Yes, and they have hardened, and they're angry, and they don't even understand that their anger is probably is coming from unresolved issues. Maybe yeah. unforgiveness towards yeah. men, maybe? Oh, it's huge. <laughs> huge. And so this, this wave of feminists that even attacking the feminists. When mm-hmm. they each our five passed in the house, they didn't realize that they were attacking their own group of people. Mm. They were doing something that or attacking religious sects and businesses and things like that, but they were attacking their own feminist groups. Mm. And, you know, uh, it's so sad because even New York Post said, what are they doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're not. And it's again, it's that spirit of deception that it was allowed to enter it in you know, that door in the house, you know, there's a whole bunch of cleaning that has been done. So when you start seeing Republicans turning their hearts towards Democrats, then you have to start wondering, okay, what snake 
was entered in. Mm. What poison got entered into the bloodstream? What's what's going on over there? And every time I visit DC, I just go over to the congressman's halls, I go to the Senate, House of Representatives halls, and I just pray for the I just touch their names. I don't even have to go inside. I just go by their name and I touch it and I put a little oil. I say, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I plead the blood over this doorway, over this entry. And when they enter in, Lord, they change of hearts. They change of hearts, you know. And we need to do that when we go visit D.C. We need to just walk the hallways and just pray up and down, you know. I took Everywhere we go. Everywhere. Everywhere we go. go. Even in the Capitol here in the Mm -hmm. state. In your neighborhood. Yes. Yes. When you have a tough neighborhood, the best thing to do is take your shofar and blow it. (laughs) (laughs) Just blow that shofar and say, no, not in my neighborhood, you know? Yeah. Dr. Lydia, how do you deal with all the negativity and maybe even the lies from the media? How do you deal with this? Because you just, you work in such a, you know, high negative environment. What's the first thing you do? You know, it's, it's really interesting because I used to be one of those Facebook people that I would see something and I get so angry. Mm-hmm. What and the lies, you know, it's all fake news. You know it. Right. And people do, they know it, you know, but they feed out of it, you know. They right. Out of it. And so when I see something, it's like, and I begin to stop typing. <laughs> <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. And then when I get to the end, I put the period, I delete it all. Oh, I got that off my chest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, my, my Facebook has been closed and suspended I don't know how many times. But I'm not trying to how to go around it. So, you know, I just got a Facebook police notice the other day. So I said, what did I post? I didn't post anything. What did I do? <laughs> Is there a scripture that comes to mind that you repeat or even anything that comes to your mind from the word of God that goes to your mind or you repeat that um, strengthens you, encourages you? Well, you know, when when I uh, go to prayer and I need encouragement myself, I remember what David used to do. David used to encourage himself all the time. Yes. He was dealing with, you know, emotional wars. And that's part of the problem is that we, we battle with our minds all the time. And we haven't learned to shut it. We haven't learned to turn it off. We haven't learned to yield to the word. When when the enemy attacks you with his thought, I said, excuse me, Mr. Devil, that is not my thought. You better take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You take it back because it doesn't belong to you because we think yeah. we That's where the enemy attacks first. Mostly. And as you grow stronger in the Lord, those thoughts don't attack you anymore mm. because it, now you have put a hedge around protection around your head. Amen. And that's why that's so important to wear the armor every day. Every day is so important. When you wake up and even when you go to bed, you put that armor on because the enemy likes to t- attack our consciousness. If we have not read the Bible before we went to bed, exactly. or before we went to bed, or spent time with the Lord with your family before you bed, and you will have the time to play with your conscience. And you're thinking, oh, that was an enemy attack. And I say, yeah, well, what did you do before you go to bed? <laughs> oh, I was watching 
something I shouldn't be watching, right? <laughs> right. There's something, but you know, you can do all those things. It's fine, but just take yeah. before the Lord and cleanse your head. You know, and I, well, for me, I get a lot of spiritual attacks when I sleep, and that's because I sometimes I'm an early riser. I get up at four, so I begin to pray, or I join a. a a conference call from another state way in the east and they start at three or four in the morning you know and i have to be on that call or whatever but you know sometimes uh, wait i go to bed at 10 11 12 like the other night i was attacked in my sleep so i said okay you want to play this game we could play this game i didn't come i didn't wake up fearful or anything i just knew it was an attack of the enemy right so, okay, we could play this game so i started worshiping the lord worshiping the lord amen Call the angels. Okay, angels, you know, this is your assignment now. You got to bubble protect me while I sleep because the Lord says he gives his beloved rest. And I receive that because the word says so. And <laughs> and then you feel and you fall asleep while worship the the, the hearing the songs, worship songs. You tu- your phone turns off automatically after a while, you know. So you don't have to worry about turning off your phone, you know. And, <laughs> and so that's what you do to constantly uh, be protected, you know, because we are living in a dark time and the enemy does, is not merciful to anyone. In fact, he hates human beings at all costs. He don't care if you're a Christian or not. Yeah. He hates human beings and uh, because they're God's gift. Every child is God's gift, even the ones that we don't like. And we call them by their name. Sister Pelosi, Brother Schumer, Sister Alexander, because by faith, they're children of God. Amen. Dr. Lydia, really quickly. Now, I know you need advice from time to time, or maybe I don't know how much, but, and you also need prayer Mm -hmm. from somebody. Who do you go to? Do you have a mentor? Do you have people around you that you go to? Yeah, that's the key thing. You know, you need to surround yourself with intercessors. You need to, you know, when the Lord said that he was sending me two intercessors, it's like, yay, God, I've got two intercessors working with me. Yes. But I still don't know who they are. Okay. <laughs> but they're there. They're friends. <laughs> well, that's important. You can feel the, you can feel the prayers. And, you know, on the way, you, you've learned who you can go to for those deep, attacks, those ones that know how to warfare, you know, prayer yes. for family, this and that, you can pretty much go to anybody and ask for prayer, but they're the ones, the ones that have the, the scars that have been through what you've been through. They're the ones that, are, that, that can release that anointing or that breakthrough in your life. And sometimes God just sends you people on your way and he'll say, pray for Lydia because she needs to hear this or she needs this prayer uh, breakthrough or whatever. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I repay that back by praying for people I don't know. I say, Lord, they need this. So I'm going to go ahead and release that on them and, and so forth and so forth. And when you pray for one another the bible says that you shall be healed and so in in these dark storms when you go through dark storms like when i went through my sister's dark storms i i i had really was in an environment that was toxic and though i had a sister that loved god and a mother that believed god the rest of the family was toxic and i wasn't really much dealing with the spirit of death on my sister i was dealing with the satanic forces toxic in the area that wouldn't allow healing to come through. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things that you have to know and discern and tell people when you're away from home, hey, this is what's going on. I need you to be, begin praying and get a right. search 
So for, see, for the United States Women Christian Chamber of Commerce, we have that. We have a national prayer director that prays for Christian startup, CEOs, whatever the family needs is, all the seven spheres, she is there for you and for me praying for you, for your success. So God wants us to receive that wealth transfer. And you know, the Lord has opened the door about that through the president with executive order signed through Opportunity Zone, that now those that don't have any way of opening up a business are able to do so now because there's grants available for that. Amen. So he's going state by state, removing poverty from our urban midst. And that's what we need to do. We need to, you know, be wealth transfers and, and help one another. And, and that's the thing about having yes, being encouragers. We have to be encouragers. You know, when I didn't know how to do all those bylaws and all that, I went to someone that had trained me in the past as a global ambassador. I said, well, how did you do yours? Oh, Lydia, it's so easy. When you get on a computer, call me and we'll do it together. That's what I talk about mentorship is it doesn't cost you anything or you're not asking for anything in return. Favor, you know, release upon favor and release favor to other people. That's one of the things that the, the party has really forgotten is that they, they like to stay in a cliche or cliche or a click group and they don't want to see other people's gifts that they have to give to the party. You know, there's so many um of Republicans that are experts in media, even though they're not, you know, that's not what they do for a living, but because they do it for their own business, they know, they know how to reach the marketplace or the marketing area, you know, and I've always asked a student that's studying something, what are you studying? Well, I'm studying communication. Oh, great. I need you. (laughs) (laughs) And I scale them for a semester. They get a credit for what they do. And, you know, that helps your business. So, Amen. Think out of the box for that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Lydia, for being on Faith City Outreach today and for your faithfulness in serving the Lord boldly. I say boldly. And um, I just pray that Heavenly Father will continue to bless you and protect you and your family and your ministries. Um, When I prayed for you earlier today, prayed for this um, uh, interview, Psalm 23, 5 came and it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. That's right. That's the scripture that came to me, to mine for you. That's exactly right. Thank you so much. And um, uh, would you end this uh, program with a short prayer for the nations? Absolutely. Absolutely. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share what's in your heart, Lord. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for it to be reached, Lord, among beyond their expectations, Lord God. And I bless this ministry, Lord. I bless it, Lord God. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to bring in the necessary people, equipment, finances, whatever it needs for them to reach millions of people around the world, Lord. But I ask for to be stepped up the plate, Lord God. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, for the nations here, for pray for Latin America nations, Lord. We pray for nations, Lord, that are crying out for your help like they did with the Israelites, Lord. It took them so many years and they cried out to you and they cried out to you and they cried out to you and that cry came to heaven lord father these nations like venezuela lord god lord god we just pray for venezuela right now lord jesus we bring down the regime that 
bring them in bondage and oppression. We come against that demon spirit in the name of Jesus. We command it to leave Venezuela right now. And Father, I thank you that you were touching and convicting the hearts of men in that nation, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that you are rising up warriors in that nation, Lord. You are rising up the people, Lord, to stand up for you, Lord, and to stand up because this was once a prosperous nation, Lord. You have blessed this nation, Lord. And for some reason, somehow, the door was open and the enemy came in, but we say no more. We close that door right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that Venezuela is now the property of the Almighty God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are going to speak into the ears of the, of the president, Lord, and the new Venezuela president, Lord. And they're going to have this blood covenant like Jonathan and David did. And they're going to move mountains in that area, Lord God. And I thank you for Operation Blessings and other ministries that have eventually have been able to get through to bring the humanitarian aid, Lord God. And I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, of, of the UN, Lord Jesus. Father God, that, that organization, Lord, it has turned its heart so cold towards you, so cold towards humanity, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're dealing with the hearts of those leaders, Lord, that dare to rise against Israel, Lord. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to shout real loud for Israel, Lord. You're going to shine, Lord, but for Israel is the heart, Lord, for you, Lord. You love Israel. You love Jerusalem. And you tell us to obey and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord. And we do that. And we thank you for other Latino nations, Lord, that are coming forth, even African nations that are coming, Lord, to bring change, to move their embassy, Lord, to Jerusalem. And I thank you that we're going to see it in our lifetime and we're going to see it now. And we thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the midst of every nation. We send the word of revival. We send the supernatural and yes. the angels to go forth and walk after them in Jesus' name. And we thank you for angels of harvest to rise up. We thank you for prosperity in our land. We thank you for protecting our nation, Lord. And we thank you for the president of the United States in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.